spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, a clairvoyant, and a thought leader, and I started this podcast to have eclectic and impactful conversations about astrology as well as all things spiritual and personal development. This episode interview that I'm sharing today is full of seasonal wisdom and it has me reflecting on my relationship with earth, with being an earthling, and you know this is a And, you know, you'll find me so often talking about the other planets and even, you know, growing up, it was a lot easier for me to access like my cerebral state or like my upper chakras, the place of insight, the place of imagination. And then later that kind of translates into, you know, writing and thinking and philosophizing and things like clairvoyance and astrology and psychic insight and coming down to the lower chakras has been a really juicy and intentional journey, like an embodiment practice. Right. And I've had these different moments of awakening related to earth. Like I remember one time a friend who had like I could feel her more rooted in in knowledge of the earth than me like she knew how to harvest things so like we could go outside into the woods and she could show me what plants were edible and I felt just so um there was something so expansive about eating directly from the earth and then having those plants visit me in the dream time and getting to experience that fusion between earth and like my already very active kind of psychic life and the sense of, you know, going and harvesting like dandelion roots and making tea out of it and feeling just this numinous sense of richness in that and feeling into how far we go, how far I'm willing to go into the, the other planets when there's all of this wonder on earth. Right. And so the seasons have me thinking about that because for many years, my, um, my primary way of kind of tracking what's going on, you know, in the moment would be to consider the planetary transits. Um, of course it is from earth's perspective, And then more recently, I would say like I've been on a more intensified embodiment path in the last couple of years. And there's been a lot of descent process that goes into that um, going, you know, learning about going at the pace of the body, learning about being in a downswing, like in a descent process and not trying to force um, going up not trying to force things shifting. And what had come of it in the last year um, 
was this sense of really, really, really going down uh, for the fall and winter. And in so doing, like in this embodiment practice, finding myself more connected to the rhythms of earth, um, there's just something incredible and magical about it to me, you know, to align with the seasons that way. So this episode, I interviewed Maureen McCarthy, my friend, um, fellow magical practitioner, Mo, and we talked about the moment of time that we're currently in this transition from Yule or the winter solstice and moving toward in bulk, which is going to be February 1st. So that's coming up. And I found this conversation was clarifying and illuminating about this current seasonal moment and kind of just like, what is the winter process? I've definitely been feeling the slowness, the going within and the processing element. And I definitely thought that was also due to being in Saturn return, but it has a definite wintry kind of energy to it as well. So a little bit about Mo before we get into this conversation. Maureen, the flowing witch. The term witch also means poet, seer, artist, creatrix, enchantress, divinator, and beyond. Maureen, they, them, whose names... whose names comes from the Irish Gaelic, meaning star of the sea, expresses as witch through their life-based artistry and performance while practicing folk herbalism, earth-based magic, the tarot as healing, divination ritual, and moon menstrual mysteries. They are turned on by the ebb and flow of life and death inherent in all things and are in a continual process of becoming a stronger and more fluid channel for the wisdom of the plants, the sun and earth connection, and their benevolent European ancestors, namely those of the Celtic linguistic group. Mo also has a seasonal easing email list that you can find the link to in the show notes. And I will get into our conversation now. Welcome everyone. I'm here with Maureen McCarthy, also known as Mo. And we're going to be getting into some seasonal wisdom. And just to start out with introductions, Maureen, um, can you share with the listeners what your practice is about um, and perhaps some mythos that you connect to right now, like an archetype or something in your natal chart? Okay. Well, thank you for having me first off. And I am a practitioner turning the wheel of the year, which is one of my ancestral timekeeping and divination traditions. Um, I'm also a tarot reader and a folk herbalist. Folk herbalist is like the newest little piece to my medicine bundle. Um, And I am definitely feeling all of my Pisces energy these days. Jupiter's kind of lighting up and blessing my four planets plus midheaven in Pisces right before my Saturn return starts next year. And so I'm really feeling into the waters and the 
the nourishment that comes from my divination practices and my creative projects and how that is all being lit up in my 10th house, which I think is why this is a perfect time for us to have this conversation. Um, And I also really identify with um, being a daughter and granddaughter of my matrilineal line and have been holding that um, really close to me, even though I'm not so very connected to those people themselves. That's what connects me all the way back to this ancestral tradition of turning the wheel of the year. Um, And so working to heal those connections on like a subtle spirit level and carrying that in my medicine bundle. Mm. I love that you're getting these Jupiter activations across all of those planets. That sounds fun. And I've always appreciated when we talk, um, the way that you illustrate the seasons feels really rich um, and very both like astrological in a way that I can connect with it in that way, but also very earth-based, very like season-based. So we just came out of um, the solstice, December 21st. Can you share with us kind of what that time period was about? Um, Yeah, we'll start there. Yeah. So on like a collective level, at least in the Northern hemisphere, December 21st or the winter solstice is like the darkest day of the year, the longest night. Um, And it's the time where the sun is furthest away from the earth. Um, And in a lot of places all around the world, all different kinds of traditions, they have sacred sites where there will be like a hole um, in a mound, like where the sun gets to um, penetrate the earth on the solstice. Um, and it's a, a beautiful kind of symbol of like remembering, remembering the light that this connection is still happening, even though they're very far away. Um, and I have been experiencing this year, this solstice time and Yule as a big, like a big cauldron full of all this stuff that I didn't get to work through or process in the the year, the past year, because we can't, like, we can't process it all through all the seasons. Like we're out living our lives and creating our things, especially in spring and summertime. Um, and there's just a lot of socializing, a lot of energy kind of going outward. And so the time of year, um, leading into solstice and just after solstice, we were going inward. It's like, I have this fantasy that going inward is like always this dreamy experience where I'm getting all these downloads and transmissions. But a lot of times it's just like me processing my stuff. And so you all can be very much a time of like disillusion and, and ego, your sense of self and ego kind of falling away and melting. Um, It tends to be a time where I don't really find myself having a desire to connect with people as much, even though that's like, an important medicine for me um, because I just don't really know like who I am. I'm just kind of dissolving into the mist um, this time of year. And I think that's okay. I think it's really beautiful. Um, It's also a time where like the crone kind of comes into 
their place of power and what that can bring is a, a little bit of like disappointment or feeling like we're failing at certain things. Um, and that's part of the spectrum of human feeling. And so I really have been valuing that, especially the solstice as like, all right, this is my time to really feel like disappointment and heartbreak and failure and all these things that like didn't work out. Um, and as we come out of that, you know, we celebrate the return of the light and, that's a really beautiful celebration of bringing back hope. Um, and what leads up to that can be really sticky and heavy. And I think there's a lot of beauty in that too. It's interesting because like the seasonal rhythms affect us. Those of us who tune into it or astrology, you know, are used to tracking these cycles and noticing how we feel, but another side of like, humanity that just wants to like always be in progress or always be great, like might really resist this time of year. Um, what do you notice like comes up for either yourself or people in general, like resisting the kind of seasonal descent this time of year? Yeah. I notice a lot of language around like, you know, within myself and I've heard others who I'm in community with, um, say like, how do we, how can we rest this time of year without like getting lazy or without feeling complacent and without forgetting about all our responsibilities. And that just, that question shows me that we don't really have as a, as a culture, like a very good mm, relationship to rest and slowing down and getting still and spending time in solitude. Um, because we have all these lenses that we look at that through lenses of like productivity and that that's good and not producing anything is bad. Um, so I see folks just like getting, I mean, ill, right? Like the time that we're in, a lot of people are getting ill already, but it's like really condensed this time of year. Um, I feel myself if I'm over scheduling myself in the name of trying to be productive this time of year. Um, I get drained so much, so much more quickly and I feel so much less available, um, for things that aren't within my kind of chosen family, very close circles. Um, and I feel very at peace with that at this point, but it's taken like several turns of the wheel for me to actually be able to sit in myself and like, say no to things, not because I'm trying to practice this thing, but because it, it feels like it's practicing itself through me, like the wheel of the year is turning through me and I am helping it to turn. And if I step outside of that, which I have like, like definitely done this Yule season and I'm okay with that too. But if I step outside of what this time of year is asking me, um, then I feel my body suffers, my whole like mood suffers. And I feel like I am dishonoring like the nature spirits and, um, the, the dance between earth and sun, um, that the wheel of the year is really all about. So can you speak more to this concept of helping the wheel turn? Like the wheel is turning you and you are turning it. And, um, yeah, that I just really want to hear more about what that means. 
Yeah, I will do my best because it, it's a very like it's a something I feel in my body, um, and I feel it happening through like the way that all these cycles are kind of a micro and a macrocosm of each other. Um, like, you know, the wheel of the year being one kind of cycle. We have the moon cycle. We have like for people who bleed our menstrual cycles and probably so many more, but those are the three kind of main ones I, I tune into. Um, and they're all the same kind of dance of like something gestating, something birthing, something being uh, living its life and aging and dying and um, going through that cycle again and again and again. And we see it, you know, in astrology too. And, um, and if we are choosing to not engage certain parts of the cycle, like the death portions of the cycle, the slowing down, the stilling, the gestating, um, then where I think we are making ourselves and our communities sick um, on some level. And then, you know, I, I do believe and feel and know that there are spirits of death and spirits of like deep processing and some people call them deities, goddesses, gods, um, nature spirits, but there's all these different astral beings who are, um, exist in those spaces, are rulers of that spaces, embodiments of those spaces of death and processing. And so by kind of turning away from those energies, you know, like they're beings, they, they get upset, right. They get like, wow, the humans are really, um, they're, they're, not honoring us in the way that you might like not honor a friend by doing something that they asked you to do or, or acknowledging their existence or something like this. Um, so I relate to all the portions of the cycle as like a being in and of itself and a relationship, just like my relationship with you or my cats or my partner. Um, and so by not practicing the things that I know that they like me to practice, like slowing down this time of year, um, then I feel I'm not honoring our relationship and just not helping them do their job. And their jobs are to help us like slow down at this time of year or to create a beauty in the summertime and things like this. Mm, that's so beautiful. I really, um, you know, for years have kind of tracked my life force and vitality and excitement and innocence kind of returning around the springtime. Um, the first few times I noticed it, it was almost by surprise, like, Oh, rebirth does happen. And this year I felt like my descent was deeper than I've ever gone. And it's inspiring this kind of awe and respect simultaneously of these cycles, because I feel like they, um, they have more intelligence um, than me, you know, and I'm like on the wheel, like experiencing these highs and lows. Um, and it's taken some deconditioning from normal programming to not try to resist those seasons, you know, like to stay, um, stay above it, you know, during the descent or not get too excited, you know, in the springtime. Um, mm -hmm. but finding those kind of rhythms. So I really appreciate your like very, uh, it almost sounds like animist perspective, um, of the, the cycles. 
Mm. Um, so where are we now in terms of, you know, we've just come out of Yule. We're moving toward the next holiday. Like what's this, what's this space that we're in now? Yeah. So we're still, I mean, we're definitely in winter, like at least here, you know, here in the Northern hemisphere, um, we're definitely in the time of like lack of abundance and trying to needing to be a little bit creative about how we keep our resources, um, flowing until there's more of an availability of resources, like resource of energy and, um, these types of things. And, we are moving towards the um, cross-quarter holiday called Imbolc um, or Imbolg. And, and this is from the Celtic Wheel of the Year tradition, uh, I'll specify. And that happens around February 1st, about halfway between um, the winter solstice and the spring equinox. And it's a time of like starting to get excited. Like the light is starting, like the days are starting to feel a little bit longer again, even though we're not fully tipped over in the spring equinox kind of energy where the days are longer. We're like, Oh, it's, there is some more light. Okay. Um, and, and that changes our physiology and that changes what we feel available for, um, with ourselves, with our relationships, with our work. Um, and the, the Gaelic word in bulk is, um, means goat or comes from a word that means goat's milk. And so traditionally it's a time where like the goats would, you know, offer their first milk. So after like, imagine after like a year or sorry, a season of like, Oh no, are we going to have enough resources? Are we going to have enough food? Are we going to have enough like warmth and wood for fire and all these things? Imagine like the first goat, you know, has a child as a kid and produces milk. Um, and what that, offers the community what kind of nourishment and like hope and um coming together that brings um and in the celtic wheel of the year tradition it's also a time where we honor the goddess bridget who's the goddess of poets and um mystics and fire and thresholds so it's recognized as a, a threshold kind of point um between kind of two energies where we're like still in winter for sure. Like February 1st up here in the Pacific Northwest is like still very much winter. Um, and we're noticing the first flowers come up, you know, we're noticing some more birds chirping. We're noticing the light is changing. And so there's a little bit of like means to celebrate that. Um, you know, solstice is also traditionally a celebration of return of the light because we finally dipped down into the darkest day, but like we still have several weeks of it being that dark. Right. And so there's a kind of different quality of celebration of the light of celebration of like the fire and, and, um, creative energy and sharing of resources that we get to celebrate at in bulk. Mm. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love like the feeling of springtime approaching. It's so um, sweet, you know, and you're Pisces sun, like I'm Aries. So even, you know, I'm like, yeah, that's when I chose to come to earth, you know, mm-hmm. I love that time of year. Um, so I would love to hear more about the the wheel of the year, like where you know, you've mentioned that you work with the Celtic wheel. Um, do you work with, is that the main wheel that you 
work with? And can you share more about the tradition? Sure. Um, For me, it kind of started uh, when I was in college in Boston in wintertime. I think I had just started learning about Ayurveda a little bit and just noticed that they kind of, it's kind of its own, it's its own medicine wheel, noticing that certain elements um, are more available at different times of the year and, and different times of day. And I remember just sitting in my, in my bedroom in Boston in winter. And I was like, Whoa, bears hibernate in the winter. So like we should hibernate. (laughs) (laughs) It just felt like it felt like a really far out thought at the time. And I was like, I'm going to try it on. I'm just going to try on like being kind of like a bear this winter. And something about that choice, you know, how, like when we make choices, we kind of jump timelines into something else. Um, something about making that choice to just like embody a bear and eat a lot of food that felt nourishing and rest a lot. Um, jumped me into the timeline of like really practicing the wheel. Um, and it really started for me with, um, the moon cycle, both the one in the sky and my own moon cycle. Um, and, then coming to understand that it's again the same kind of movement of energy as um, the seasonal wheel of the year. And so when I came into that and that understanding, um, something about it just felt really resonant. And then I realized, oh, like this is an ancestral tradition for me. This is something that um, even if my like great, great grandmother who came from Scotland and my fourth great grandmother who came from Ireland were not practicing this per se, who knows? I I don't have many stories about them, but it goes back to somewhere. (laughs) Um, And so though I still like really honor my own menstrual cycle, of course, and, and do my best to like spend my first three days of bleeding, just not doing anything and try to plan my life around that a little bit. I've really settled into the wheel of the year as my main practice of turning the wheel. Um, and there are lots of, lots of traditions have, um, very similar practices. There's, um, medicine wheels in like many cultures. I can't say all of them. I haven't studied all of them. Um, but when I have studied like my, uh, Slavic ancestry, there's very similar holidays. Um, you know, Dia de, Dia de los Muertos is very similar to Samhain, you know, and, and uh, honoring the ancestors and death and, and that passage. Um, but I have very much settled into practicing turning the wheel of the year, the Celtic wheel of the year. Um, and you know, I, I live in a climate that's very similar to where um, this tradition came from. Like Portland, Oregon is cold and wet and rainy a lot of the year. And so is Ireland and Scotland. And so um, though that doesn't need to be like a requirement to, you know, practice something like this and and practice turning the wheel. um, It definitely feels like it helps my body, like remember those ancestral codes. Um, But really, like it's really just about the sun and the earth and their relationship and their dance throughout the year and how they get really close and how they get really far and and what that means for us as um, beings that live between the two and what that means for the plants and all the animals um, who are all like, you know, children of these two great forces um, that create everything that we need. 
And so though these holidays that are called Yule and called Imbolc, um, called Ostara and Samhain and all this come from the Celtic Gaelic tradition, um, it's, it's like a, everyone on earth, I think, has a right to some kind of honoring of the dance between the earth and the sun. It's really cool. Like this is, you know, primarily an astrology podcast. Um, and we spend a lot of time talking about the planetary movements outside of the earth. We're astrology is earth centric, but we're talking about all these other cycles and getting into the seasons and that relationship between the earth and the sun is so deeply embodied because we can see it in the, um, in the plant life and in the earth bodies, like in people. Um, so it's always kind of mesmerized me to come back down to earth after, you know, going way far mm -hmm. out to like Pluto. Right. And I love too, that you, um, just casually dropped this timeline jumping technology. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, I would love to hear more about that. And kind of, if you have any thoughts on how slowing down during this dark time of the year relates to timeline shifts, if it does mm -hmm. at all. Yeah, I could really see it relating. I mean, I think any choice we make kind of like we jump a timeline in some way. Like if I um, choose to eat eggs for breakfast, that's going to put me on a different timeline than like choosing to eat fruit for breakfast because I'm going to get hungry later in a different way. And so that's like a very mundane kind of example, I guess I would say, but choosing to practice turning the wheel by slowing down in the winter time puts one on a timeline that is very like earth, earth and sun centered and, and, I feel, and I have felt in my body, um, over the past several years, it's made me more available or available is not the right word. It's, um, it's made my vitality more available to me, like the vitality that lives within my body, um, more available to circulate through my body. And as someone with a lot of like Pisces placements, I could, I could be very good at like going, jumping out into like all the other realms and, um, but I have also a lot of Capricorn. I think that keeps me really like here on earth. And so having that vitality available to me um, through like honoring my place and my space as a human on earth between the earth and the sun um, feels like it puts me on the timeline I chose before I came here in March of 1996, like it feels like, you know, I chose to come to earth and there is this relationship between earth and sun. Um, and so I wanted to be a part of that somehow as like an entity, you know, incarnating, I wanted to be a part of, um, the, the pulse of the sun every year. And then the way that it changes our body and the pulse of the moon too, and the way that it changes the tides of our bodies and all the planets. Right. Um, and so, by honoring whether it's this cycle or if I was like going into a sadhana or practice of following Jupiter throughout several years and seeing how that was pulsing my vitality or something like this. Um, it feels like it's put me onto a certain, um, 
how do I say? It's put me into the channel of like this relationship between earth and sun. I love that. Um, and so we entered the Yule and this kind of in between Yule and bulk time. What was the beginning of the, the descent process in terms of the light diminishing? The, mm, the beginning of the descent process could be seen as like summer solstice um, because that's our brightest, longest day. And then after that, the days are slowly getting getting shorter. Um, and I don't know about everyone else, but I always feel like the holiday that follows summer solstice is called Lunasad and it's around August 1st. And around that time, I always feel like, man, I didn't like do all these other things I had planned for the summer too. Like I did X, Y, Z, blah, 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 but I didn't do these other things. And I start to feel a little bit like missed out a little bit, or, um, it can be a time of like great uh, abundance and really feeling grateful for the fruits that did come in the summer. And it can also be a time of like, Oh, well, shit, my strawberries didn't, didn't come through this year or something like this. Um, and so I always feel like a little bit of diminishing of light at that time of year, a little bit of like, I'm so grateful I did all this stuff and like, got to put this, these other things off until next, um, next turn of the wheel. And then of course, when we reach fall equinox, that's when like the amount of light in the sky is less. Um, and we do have longer days or sorry, longer nights. Uh, and I feel Samhain really as like, that's when we, that's when we get really deep into it. So around November 1st, Halloween, Dia de los Muertos, Samhain, um, probably a day with many other names. That's when we really get deep into it. And, you know, like all the witches will say, the veil, the veil is thinner. Um, the astral beings and ancestors, beings who are not in this same 3D realm as us, um, have a little bit more space to like travel to us, or there's a little bit, there's a little less like density in the air. So we can kind of hear things a little differently and feel things a little differently. Um, and something that a teacher that I've been learning from, Yaya Erin Rivera Merriman of Active Culture Family said about, about Yule. And I think it kind of starts at Samhain um, or just after Samhain, just after we really, you know, do the, the very necessary work of grieving, of honoring ancestors, of celebrating them. Um, after that, we get, she said, we get billed for everything we didn't get to process in the past year or so. Um, so the descent can start and has started for me like very sweetly where I might be um, celebrating my ancestors, my benevolent ancestors, grieving some of them that I never got to grieve, some of them I never met, never knew. Um, and then that that opens, that feels like it kind of just opens my root up or opens this like portal for everything else to get processed in the descent. Mm. Yeah, I've noticed this time of year that, you know, I was attributing it to Saturn return in some sense and not even as much this season, um, but it makes more sense now as well, adding that layer, but feeling really full and like I need more empty time that I'm preferring solitude a lot more often and that I just need time to think that's like unstructured or like time to just be with myself. 
And that being excessively social or planning too many things begins to feel um, so deeply taxing that I like literally can't do it at a body level. It's like having to have more boundaries. Um, whereas, you know, in the springtime, that's when I get really extra and want to do everything. And even then, you know, I can get overwhelmed and still have to set boundaries, but it's coming from a place of like, you know, a super full basket. And it's like, okay, it's like a little bit more lighthearted, like don't do all that stuff. Whereas in winter, if I overburden myself or like overschedule, it feels like a nervous system upsetting. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I really feel that too. And, and I'm glad you brought up like boundaries, even in springtime too, because, you know, that is a, a time where, um, we can lose a lot of energy. Um, I learned this from a Qigong teacher, Eve Bradford, who will talk about these transition times, especially like, um, winter into summer. So that spring, um, or fall time, you know, summer into winter, or we can just lose a lot of energy because it's like, Oh, it's springtime. So it's time to be in tank tops and no, no socks. Like this is me um, using myself as an example. And like my body is still very cold. Like it, it, it's kind of lost all the heat that it um, gathered throughout the summer, you know, throughout the winter, it's slowly um, losing its, its heat. And so it's not ready to just like be bare basically. Um, even though I get so excited when the sun comes back out and, um, but I need to keep my body warm. Like that's an aspect of those transitions. And so those transition times can, where we feel like, Oh, it's finally, it's finally bright again. It's like it is. And we're still kind of recovering or coming out of this other energy. And so honoring those thresholds and those transitions with boundaries and with awareness of like how we're feeling is still super important. Um, for the the total wellness of like an earth-based body. Right. It's humbling to go at the pace of the body and not just what yeah. we feel like we want. Yeah. Um, how do you integrate tarot and astrology um, in the mix of this seasonal awareness that you hold? Um, with the tarot, I'm always aware of what time of year we're in, what season we're in, when I'm reading for myself and others. And so that is a part of the reading, like pulling the death card will mean something different, you know, throughout all parts of the wheel of the year. Um, And I always have that awareness and I always am helping folks like in a subtle way, though I don't offer at this moment, like any kind of coaching about the wheel of the year or anything like this. Um, it's very much a part of how I read for people and what kind of tips and tricks I might offer to them. Um, because just as our bodies are changing throughout the wheel of the year, throughout the seasons, I think all the archetypes that we experience and relate to are also changing. Like the mystic is a, a different archetype in the depth of winter than they are in the summer. You know, they have a different place. Um, like the crone, her time is the winter time. Um, and so it's a different, she has a different relationship to winter than to summer. And so she's in a different, um, embodiment and different tools of hers are available to us at different parts of the, the wheel. So that's one, uh, one of the main ways I kind of integrate it is just always having the awareness of like, what is the relationship of this card to this season? Just as what is the relationship 
um, of my body to this season. Mm. Would you be down to like go through one archetype through the wheel? And I'm wondering like if one comes to mind too, like a particular. Mm. Well, the death, I'm looking at death card right on my altar because I pulled that for myself this morning. Um, and so that feels like an obvious one. And right next to it is the four of pentacles. Um, so let's go with death because it's a kind of broader archetype, maybe a little bit more translatable to astrology too, but, um, we could start with how that archetype starts at the beginning of the wheel of the year. And in the Celtic tradition, um, the, uh, wheel starts on Samhain. So it starts with death and it starts with um, honoring our ancestors. It starts with where we've come from. And so it's a kind of an obvious, to me anyway, an obvious correlation is that um, around Samhain or on the fall time, like death is happening all around us. The leaves are falling and it's very beautiful. And there's, you know, like, especially this past fall, I saw a lot of posts on Instagram about like, Nature is showing us how beautiful death can be, you know, at the fall time. Um, whereas then in winter, like right now, um, death doesn't seem as beautiful. Like it seems like, oh, I'm kind of tired of this like winter. I'm kind of, kind of over it. Like how much more can I die? How much more of myself can I let go of? How much, how much more can I grieve? How much more can I process? Like there kind of comes a point in winter where I, I feel that I don't want to assume that everyone feels that, but there does come a point where I'm like, Oh, I don't know how much more I can die. <laughs> like I've given, I've given a lot of myself to the crone right now. Um, waiting for her to be full. <laughs> and then when the death card comes up, like if it comes up in a reading for someone during springtime, um, I might look at that archetype as like, there's something that you might still be holding on to from this past winter. Cause we're just fresh out of it. There's something that like, doesn't have to get planted in your garden this spring. There's some, something, there's some kind of uh, creative energy that, that wants to stay like down there. It wants to stay in the underworld. Um, and so you can honor that in the springtime. Like not everything is going to bloom. Not every seed that fell uh, at the end of the summertime or, you know, is going to germinate and that's okay. Um, and then if the death card comes up in like around solstice, when it's like life is happening all of around, all around us, that's a time where I might tell someone like, this is, there's really something very personal to you. Um, that's being that, that we're being asked to look at right now, um, something very personal to you that this archetype is asking you to really inquire about, like if you need it or not, um, and maybe give it to the compost like right now so that it can feed whatever is, um, blooming in your, in your life right now. I look at them all very like in relation to the way plants are growing, right. And the way that we are gardening, if you garden or the way that trees in your neighborhood are blooming, like, um, being a plant person and a folk herbalist as well. I definitely integrate that into the way that I talk about these archetypes and, and their relationships to the seasons as well. So when it comes to 
like, you know, you're turning the wheel year after year. Do you find yourself preparing for seasons in advance in any way? And like, how do you do that? How would you recommend people engage in that? Mm, I love that question. Yes. Um, something that the same mentor that I had just mentioned has taught me is that, um, or maybe reminded me, maybe I knew this somewhere in my like DNA, but that especially these holidays like in bulk, like Samhain, like Yule, whole communities would spend weeks preparing by clearing your space, clearing the house, like sweeping, cleaning as if, you know, you're just about to have like your whole family over, you like clear, clear the house. Um, setting altars, seasonal altar making is one of my kind of go-to ways to honor the season. Um, so having plants that are growing around, um, I try to pick ones that have like branches that have fallen from trees already, or, you know, flowers that have fallen off their stalks, like things that are already on the ground, um, pine cones, stuff like that, rather than picking things. Um, but creating seasonal altars of things that are just around and growing around is a really beautiful way to kind of open a space in the home for the season to, to enter through as altars tend to be portals for different um, spirits and astral beings to come through. Um, and then each, each season or each holiday really has its own little flavor or own way that one could um, honor it, especially in the Celtic tradition. So with Samhain, um, it's very much like we are honoring the ancestors, whatever ancestor means to you. It could mean like you're living and, de and now deceased um, people in your family line. It could mean like my beloved childhood dog. It could mean um, some nature beings that are also my ancestors. Um, and then with in bulk that's coming up, um, a beautiful way to prepare for that is to like, clear out doorways and thresholds like this um, because it is a threshold kind of holiday and start to um, honor when you're walking through like a doorway, a threshold. Um, it's a beautiful time for a feast. Ritual feast is also a great way to celebrate really all of the holidays. Um, but the main things that I would say they all have in common is like seasonal altar, some kind of ritual feast with foods that really like feel true to the season. Um, so, you know, like squashes in the winter and pumpkins and fruits in the summer. Um, and then fire always has some kind of relationship to most of these seasons because it is relationship between sun and earth, right? So food and fire feel like a big deal. Um, so in Samhain, like this past year, I lit up my, um, how do you call it? My stairs coming into my house with candles, just little candles so that um, my ancestors could see the pathway into my house and join us for the ritual feast. Whereas um, like on summer solstice, a big bonfire might be more the vibe, right? Um, so kind of there are specific like traditional ways to um, practice these things. And I also think like it is our earthright to just to feel into like, what does it really mean for there to be an abundance of sun right now? And, and what kind of celebration does that call for? Um, and what does it mean for the veil to be thin and what kind of honoring or celebration does that call for? Wow. Yeah. There's, that was kind of psychedelic for me hearing that because of the, the earth and sun and then fire and food and thinking of that as kind of like a, um, 
intermediary or kind of like a fractal representation of that relationship. And it was also kind of kicking up memories of how I've noticed that on these holidays, um, it's been important to gather with people often. And sometimes the gathering has been incidental, like it was not intended around the holiday. And other times, you know, in the last few years, I always celebrate the solstice and equinox with people with a gathering of some kind. And it feels like there's a charge or there's an energy that constellates more readily when there is a container. Um, and for me, I struggle a little bit more to make altars. Like in school, I never wanted to do arts and crafts. I'm still just like, so like resistant to making altars for some reason, even though I know they're so magical. Um, and I find these other ways to kind of like create the container, but um, for some reason, struggle with the altar. So I appreciated what you said at the end too, about finding our own way, um, to do that. Yeah. Altar making and like, especially seasonal altar making would definitely be a recommendation or suggestion for like, yeah, for folks who that really like resonates with. Right. But there are probably other ways that you might prepare your home and your space to welcome like these nature beings in, whether it's like reading different kinds of books or preparing different kinds of foods or just like there's there's so many ways that we can prepare our space and our body um, to be in connection with all of these energies. It's yeah, like I'm, I'm always very hesitant to offer like general here's what you can do because everyone's so different too. <laughs> right. Yeah. Altars are just one of those things that I'm like, oh, I wish I was like good at that <laughs> or could get myself to do it. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's having me think too about um, time periods say of like um, a lot of people, I think associate summer with the year, like, or a season off from school, it has this childhood energy to it. Um, is there a correlation objectively on the medicine wheel or the wheel of the year with summer relating to like inner child stuff or. Yeah, for sure. Um, the first thing I think of is just like the direction of the South that that's the direction where our sun is all, you know, all the time in the Northern hemisphere. Um, except for solstice when it's just like right above head, but even then it's probably like a few degrees to the South, um, the Southern part of the sky. And that is a direction in, um, lots of medicine wheels that, that honor the four directions as, um, entities and spirits. Um, that is the direction of childhood. You know, the East was the direction of like birth babies and then the South, the direction of, um, childhood and of youthful energy. Mm. Um, and then I also see, you know, just the way that like the culture that we live in tends to favor summer esque energies, like creating, um, producing, um, and, this is only like one small, small piece of like the magic that's available in summer, but that's kind of the piece I like, at least capitalism is kind of held on to like, that's what we're going to run. Yeah. And like Never youth. Staying yeah, young. exactly. Yeah. Youth and staying young and, um, how afraid so many folks are to age and how like we don't honor our elders in this culture, like at all, we just kind of hide them. Um, and those kinds of things are also ways that I kind of see the shadow of, um, summer kind of or the maybe not the shadow of summer but how i see us like 
clinging on to this one tiny piece of summertime energy and and that's casting a, a big shadow itself. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so in the time period that we are in now, like what would be some ways for people listening to start to kind of prepare themselves for in bulk or for the spring, like while still being in the, the winter? While still being in the winter, um, winter is a really special time for like imagining and dreaming. Right. So like dream up, like what, what will you do with all of the like gifts that spring and summer give with all of the energy, with all of the light, with all of the warmth, like what could you possibly do with all of that given what you've been going through this winter time, what you've been processing, what you've been discovering about yourself, the parts of yourself that have been falling away, the heartbreak you've experienced, the disillusion, the disappointment, like coming out of that, what are the most wild possibilities of what you could do? Um, And then as you approach, like as we approach in bulk and springtime, know that like we might pick a few of those seeds to plant, right? Or like not all of them will come up, but just taking this time to really get like, continue to get big and imaginative about it. Um, and then... So good for Jupiter and Pisces too. Yeah, yeah. That's probably part of like what's speaking through me right now too. Um, and and then as we kind of approach, as we approach in bulk and... Um, the spring equinox, like maybe folks start to decide like who they want to gather with. Like, who do you want to have over for a feast to honor the fact that we got through it? Like we got through the most barren time of the year. Um, we got through the scarcity and we still have a little bit left to share with each other. I also think of Imbolc as a time where like, we really need to pull our people in close and be like, we're almost there. We got it. <laughs> you got it. You can do it. Um, I don't have a lot of energy left, but I can share a little bit that I have knowing that we're coming so close to the spring equinox. It's this time of like, we're almost there. Um, and so who do you want to have around you for that? And, and how do you want to honor them and the work that they've done um, and honor yourself? Mm-hmm. So how can people connect with your work further? Um, find you on social media? Um, sure. My Instagram is that which flows, which as in W-H-I-C-H. Um, and currently having a new website be built out. So that'll be that which flows out space in a few uh, weeks, hopefully. <laughs> And through my Instagram, you can um, book a healing tarot session with me right now. I'm offering 60 minute, um, very prayerful and ritualized tarot sessions. Again, where the the wheel of the year is considered within the reading itself. Um, That sounds so amazing. I love like that's just a really um, embodied and unique offering. Thank you. Yeah, it feels I love giving those readings like Oof. I, I love receiving tarot readings and astrology readings and all this. Um, and one of the things I have felt from some folks that I've received from, not you, um, is that it can tend to be like, oh, this card needs this. And so you should do this. 
right? Or like you have this planet here. And so that means this about you. So you should do this. Um, I very much don't like that. Where are these people? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, I'm very much, um, feel like it's a very co-creative space for us to like, just create a pathway for my clients and, and kind of pray together in our own unique ways. Awesome. Um, so those of you listening, go follow Mo. Um, if you're interested in getting a tarot reading, I highly recommend Mo. Um, they're amazing. And uh, what a special like opportunity to have like a ritualized reading in connection with the, the earth and sun. Um, yeah, I like to think about you know, divination practices or astrology filtering through a prism of our consciousness. Mm -hmm. And it feels like you include the seasonal awareness as part of that prism. So you can distill these, um, channeled messages that hold that in mind. Um, and that just feels really rich. So Mm -hmm. thank Mm -hmm. you for, um, you know, embodying this wisdom and living it, you know, like the way that you talk about the seasons, um, always like sparks something for me. Um, Mm. I'm really glad that we got to have this conversation, um, and connect here. Me too. Thank you so much for having me. So while I was traveling just this last week, last weekend, um, I went to go visit family for the first time in a while. Um, I got a lot of messages on Instagram about how this podcast has impacted you, how it feels like your astro best friend or that it's a really beautiful and healing presence in your life. Um, thank you so much for those kind words. They, it really is encouraging and you know, I love, I love these ideas. I love the sharing this kind of space with people. Um, so it's just really affirming as well. And if you are loving this podcast and you have something to say about it, I would love to read your review on Apple podcasts or iTunes. If you take a screenshot of your review before you click submit and email it to me at Sabrina at monarchastrology.com, I'll send you a resource library about creating and elevating your reality, including several hours of videos about the intersection between astrology and things like manifestation. And if you've been into the kind of fixed sign transmission thing that I've been on for a little bit, one of my favorite talks I've ever given, Leo and the evolution of alternate realities or play in the evolution of alternate realities is in there as well. And it's kind of about these mystery teachings of the primordial qualities of Leo and creativity as, you know, a source code within us. So thank you so much for listening. I love you. Have a beautiful in bulk and beyond. Mm-hmm.